82% of people don't have a time management system in place at all. And it really is one of the first steps to, honestly, prioritization and productivity. The B2B Marketing Exchange brings together B2B marketing and sales practitioners from across the country to get the latest tools and tips they need to succeed. Now, we're bringing the insights from the stage to your ears. I'm Claudia Tarico, And I'm Kelly Lindenow. And this is the B2B Marketing Exchange Podcast. What's up, B2B marketers? Happy New Year. We hope you all enjoyed some much-needed R&R filled with holiday cheer. And truthfully, I am still trying to wrap my head around the fact that it is now 2024. Same. But we had a nice little break from the hustle and bustle of work life, and Kelly and I are excited to bring you another replay from our B2B SMX event. Today's episode has been very strategically timed to set you up for a really successful and mindful year ahead. That's right. I know most of you are used to hearing about marketing best practices and various sales tactics here on the pod, but today's episode is all about self-care, in a sense. Hannah Jakover of Hype House Consulting took the stage at B2B SMX to share her productivity playbook with the audience, and I gotta say, it was one of the most enlightening sessions of the event. Kelly, when I tell you I was literally at the edge of my seat, recording clip after clip with my phone and taking heavy notes the entire time of the session, that would kind of be an understatement, okay? It is packed with scientific research and expert insights on how to regain control of your time, increase focus, and achieve peak performance. You can truly adopt these insights to more than just your work life. It's really the perfect session to kick off the year with, where Hannah shares how to leverage effective time management strategies and tools, boost focus and concentration, and harness energy and rhythm. I guarantee you will walk away feeling super empowered and equipped to tackle 2024 like a boss, both professionally and personally. So without further ado, let's roll that tape. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to like shut it down with you today and be the last session. Thanks for joining us. So if I were to ask you, why is productivity so important? I'd probably hear a few different things. I'd probably hear, well, we can reach our company goals faster. We can have more output. I'd probably hear, maybe I can progress in my career faster. And our favorite one is, I can do more with less. Who is sick of hearing that? <laughs> That's it? I hope, it, like, I think I need everyone in this room to raise their hand on that one. So the problem with this view of productivity is that it is constantly focused on the output. What are you doing for other people? How are you going to meet ROI? How are you going to improve the bottom line? So it's output focused. And I mean, we're not robots. It's not possible for us to think about outputs all the time. And so what I would like us to do is really change our mindset and reframe this view of productivity. So when we think about productivity, I want to invite you to start thinking about productivity as a way for you to maintain your well-being. It cannot constantly just be about the output. We're socialized to think that. And when we start thinking about this view of, oh gosh, like productivity can mean something for me, 
I need to be able to show up and provide the energy and the work that it takes to get to that output. So when we're maintaining our well-being, we're able to avoid burnout. Because when we're burnt out, there, you cannot be productive. You cannot. Burnout sucks. Um, it sucks for you. It sucks for your relationships. It sucks for your companies. The WHO estimated that $1 trillion a year is lost in productivity, and that should say due to stress, due to people taking days off because they are stressed out by their jobs. So we need to really think about reframing this way of, of thinking about productivity. And so the why of this becomes more internal plus external versus just external. So instead of thinking of, I'm going to do more, 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 what else can I do? Output, output, output. It's about balance and it's about scale. So you can safely scale to meet your goals and to meet your company goals as well. Okay, so this brings us to a more holistic view of productivity. So what we'll see is external tools, which a lot of you probably are familiar with. I'm guessing if you're sitting in this room though, something isn't working for you. You've probably looked up a lot of the tools already. You've seen all the frameworks, you've seen all the hacks. So that's just a piece of it, right? And the other piece with this holistic view becomes our internal power, things that you already have inside of you, things that your brain, your body is already doing, but when you put intention behind it, we can create this, again, more holistic view of productivity and it can help you reach your goals faster while you maintain this balance and well-being. Okay, I've been up here talking and I have not introduced myself, I'm sorry. So I'm Hannah Jakover, as Claudia mentioned, and I am a former B2B marketing leader turned leadership and executive coach. And part of my purpose in life, which I had the privilege of um, really reevaluating over the last five years, is to help others reclaim time, energy, and identity. And I help them do that primarily through coaching, also consulting, and being a mom, being a friend, being a mentor. There's many ways to do that. Um, and if you're like my husband, you're wondering why is she so passionate about productivity and energy and time, and it's really twofold. One is my personal journey. Um, I have a personal story with burnout. A few years ago, I realized that I was neurodivergent. And what that means is my brain works differently. My brain is not neurotypical, whatever that means. Um, and I just process information differently. I see things differently, I categorize things differently, I interpret things differently, and I need specific protocols in place for my brain, for my body, so I don't burn out. And I tried doing it the other way. I, my whole career, I looked over and I said, why is this so easy for everybody else? To me, I'm like, they're winging it. How are they just winging everything? And so I tried to you know, go along with how everybody else would work. And unfortunately, it led me, I mean, honestly, probably to like one of the lowest points of my life in terms of burnout. So I said, fuck that. I'm not doing that anymore. And I decided to dive really, really deep into understanding my nervous system, my brain, and how all of these things work together. And that enabled me to build myself a set of protocols that allowed me to reach the peak productivity that I needed to stay, um, to not burn out, and to reach my goals. 
And I want to share that information with you because neurodivergent or not, it is helpful information. And I, I think it's amazing um, you know, how little we know about our brains and our bodies and how powerful having that knowledge can be when it comes to something like productivity and how you show up at work. The second reason is, um, as a coach, I see this every day. You know, these are two huge topics, productivity, burnout, um, how to talk about these things at work, how to ask for what you need, how to show up authentically, knowing that all of this is going on. These are huge coaching topics that come up literally every day that I talk to my clients. OK, so first I'm going to dive into two. One's a tool, one's really kind of a mindset. And that's it. And that's the external, external part of it. Because like I said, you are probably here because you've seen a bunch of this before. You've tried a bunch of this before. And you're looking for new, new things. So we'll spend a little bit of time on these external tools. And then we'll move into some real nerdy stuff. So hopefully you're excited about that. OK. So part of prioritization and pro sorry, part of productivity, really, is understanding what's important to work on. And so many of us aren't really taught how to prioritize. You might have your to-do list, and you might brain dump everything onto your to-do list. You might do a little organization of that to-do list. And then you kind of like even forget to check things off. And um, I mean, how many of you even just like forget to put something on your to-do list? You go, you've done it already. You've done the thing, and you put it on your to-do list just to like check it off. Raise your hand. Yes. You know why you do that? Is because it's like a hit of dopamine, and your brain is like, yes, I did it. So it's, I mean, it's, it's nice. It feels good, but like it doesn't really help you. It doesn't really help you prioritize. So you need a framework when you're thinking about prioritization. And this works both individually as well as if you're a leader and you're looking to help your team prioritize tasks. These are two of my favorite prioritization uh, frameworks. This one is the Eisenhower matrix, and it organizes things by urgency and importance. So you are always thinking about what is urgent, what is important. The things that are not urgent and not important, they have a place too. And the other one is the action priority matrix plan. And this one organizes things by effort and impact. So you're always thinking about what is going to have the biggest impact. But then it also has these areas of like, if I want quick wins, if I know that this is like a big project that I have to work on, if I have some extra time. So again, we're really prioritizing based on something. It's not just our gut. It's not just like what we feel like working on. It is the things that are important, the things that are urgent, and the things that are going to have the biggest impact. And the other thing that this is going to help you with is capacity planning. And that's huge as a leader, individually and as a leader. You need to know, you know what your team is working on, how long things are taking, and like, how can we build upon that as well. It's also going to help with delegation. right? If you need to push things off of your plate that, like, yes, maybe it's urgent, but it's not super important and somebody else can do it, it's going to help you learn what to delegate. A lot of leaders come to me and they say, I know I need to get delegate, but I don't know how and I don't know what. And it's also going to help with boundaries. You're going to start to create this, uh, these guardrails around the work that you do. And you know what is important. If somebody brings something to you and you cannot fit it in you know, an area where it's worth your time, then you can start to say no more. 
Okay, how many people have said this? I ran out of time, I couldn't do the thing or heard it. I hope everyone in this, you're all lying. <laughs> um, we've all said it. And we just, we don't track time, like we don't. We do not think about how long something is going to take us. In my brain I do, but I know a lot of people don't. 82% of people don't have a time management system in place at all. And it really is one of the first steps to honestly, prioritization and productivity. So I come from an agency background and it was hammered into my head at a very, very early stage in my career that I had to be an expert at estimating projects. I had to be an expert at using my time wisely and I had to hold myself accountable to that time because if we didn't, we lost a lot of money because it was a services-based business. And this happens whether you're a services-based business or not. Companies lose 50 $50,000 per employee, that's a third of somebody's salary, maybe half of somebody's salary, right? So not tracking our time is really detrimental. And again, we gotta think about it not just from the output, like that's important, that's a lot of money lost per employee, but also think about it internally, what does this do for you? So when you think about the projects, the tasks that you have on your plate, don't just think about, oh, this is gonna take me I don't know, a couple hours. This is gonna take me 10 hours. That's gonna be more than a week. Think about all of the things that go underneath that project, all of the subtasks that you have to do, all the decisions that you need to be, that need to be made. Anything that requires time should be estimated. Write it down, put it in an Excel spreadsheet. You can build a template for this really easily and then start holding yourself accountable to that time. So you have your estimate and then you have your actuals and look at what that delta looks like. So to get to the actuals, I recommend the easiest, easiest, probably cheapest tool ever and it is a physical timer. Not your phone, not your watch because that's full of distractions. A physical timer, I have one that looks just like this. I have two, I have one for my son because he's ADHD, I have one for myself also for that reason and also to track time. Um, so get a physical timer, put it on your desk, and start tracking your time. Time tracking software is really awesome and it's quite sophisticated these days, but honestly, if you haven't built up the habit of tracking time, don't do it. Just start with a physical timer so you can really hold yourself accountable for that time. And um, your brain really likes this too because you're sort of building a, a reward system and you can actually add rewards to it too, but even just the anticipation of finishing something within that period of time, your brain is like, ooh, that's a reward, I like it, you're gonna get that release of chemicals. So instead of that checkbox that, you know, you did the thing, but you kinda like spent more time going back to write it down, you can be more productive and still get that really good feeling at the end of it. So no more wagging it. I never understood how people did that anyways. And again, capacity planning, boundaries. Okay, um, who is a nerd here? <laughs> I, feel, I kind of feel like everybody at this conference should be a nerd. I'm a super nerd. I'm a, I'm a neuro nerd. <laughs> so these are gonna be some unconventional strategies that maybe you've heard of, maybe you are a little bit familiar with, but this is gonna be that internal power. And again, we really need this piece of 
the productivity playbook in order to fully be productive because you can't just rely on tools and technology. Like you have to do something. Like your brain and your body, like you need to work with that. So the first thing I'm gonna ask you to do, and I'm looking out here because I see a few of you doing that, and that's okay. We all do it, but you gotta stop multitasking. You have to stop, it's so bad for your brain. I was on a coaching call the other day and somebody said, I'm a great multitasker. Thank God I wasn't on video because I was like, oh my Jesus, it's not a good thing. You gotta stop positioning yourself that way. I remember going into interviews and like being so proud of being such a great multitasker, not realizing how terrible that sounds. Because when you think about it and when you look at the data, multitasking, first of all, it lowers your IQ. We're not getting any smarter by doing it. It reduces your productivity by 40%, and it reduces your cognitive functioning. So there's a lot of other data, really interesting studies around multitasking, but essentially, like you think that you're doing everything at once, but in your brain, your brain is switching. Your brain is switching like this really, really fast. And so you're not actually being productive. You're not actually doing all of the things. You're doing one thing and you're giving less effort to it and then you're switching to another thing and then you're coming back to that one thing. And every time you move away from that one thing or you get distracted by something else, it takes your brain 23 minutes to refocus. Imagine how much time you're losing from multitasking. So move into this monotasking mindset. There's a great book called The 12 Monotasks because it really is a muscle that you have to build. It's hard to build it, and The 12 Monotasks gives you a plan of how to build it. You're gonna walk, you're gonna eat, you're gonna do these things one thing at a time and you're gonna be present, and you're gonna be thinking about, you know, you're just gonna be present while you do it. And so you're starting to build that habit, you're starting to build those new neural connections that allow you to just stay present. Part of the problem with this is that we do get distracted all of the time, right? We have Slack over here, we have our boss emailing us over here, we have our phone and Instagram and TikTok and all of these distractions. But let me tell you, the distractions are not to blame. We are to blame. And we have to take ownership over our attention. And we think that, you know, oh, if we just got rid of our phone or we just got rid of that app, like that's not gonna work. You need to dive into the foundation of that. What is it within you that makes you wanna pull away from the thing that you're doing to go do something else? Why can't you focus on this one thing? Ask yourself that question and really think about it. Because sometimes it's, I have this false sense of urgency. Sometimes it's, I feel responsible when I'm not. Sometimes it's guilt or shame of not showing up. There's fear. I mean, these are like real emotions that are attached to this because of the way that we've been socialized around like answering emails and being there and showing up. So really ask yourself that question and think about how can I move from a multitasking mindset into a monotasking mindset? Okay, here comes the real nerdy part. Has anyone heard of their brainwaves? I see a few nods, awesome, good. Okay, so brain waves, whether you like it or not, this is happening in your brain. Um, it's, this is real science, you can go look it up. Uh, if you're a fan of Dr. Huberman, he talks about this quite often. 
But essentially, brainwaves are oscillations of electrical activity in your brain. And they are categorized, as measured in frequencies, and they're categorized in different bands. And these different bands are different frequencies. And you probably recognize some of these. You know, maybe you recognize delta when you're sleeping. You're in that deep delta stage. Maybe beta. That's, that's usually where we all are in a wake state when you're working, when you're just kind of moving through life. You're usually in a beta mindset. Um, and what's interesting is that each of these are associated with different mental states and cognitive functions. So these brain waves, and they're all happening at the same time. It's not like one's happening at once and then you move into another one. It's you can have a dominant brainwave state. So right now we're probably all in a dominant beta brainwave state. And also what's interesting is that the, um, the slower the oscillations are, the, um, there's this bridge really that you can kind of start connecting like your conscious mind and your subconscious mind. And that is an amazing place to be when you want to be creative, when you need to think about problem solving, when you want to do some visualization. There's so many things that we can use these states for. So you probably hear people say all the time, I see it on LinkedIn once a week. I think. I always comment on it and try to like drop this knowledge. I think people get mad at me. Um, but you know, I get my best ideas in the shower, right? How many of you, how, has that happened to anybody here? Yeah, or I get my best ideas on the weekend, or when I'm exercising, or like I was out on a walk and like, oh my gosh, I just thought of the problem, or I just thought of the solution, or it just came to me in my sleep. This is not random. It's not. It's the lovely combination of you're in the right brainwave state, and there's probably maybe like some brain chemicals, some, chem you know, some dopamine happening, right? Like it's this combination, this perfect state that you're in, and it's not while you're sitting at your desk on a meeting. It's not while you're stressed out thinking about work, right? So we really need to start thinking about, is my brain in the right state to do whatever I need to do in front of me? And you can experiment with this, too. So you can either just, just start clocking it, right? Just see how you feel when you wake up, um, when you're going to sleep. Like, just start trying to track like, how your, what your brain is doing and what brainwave state you're in. The other cool thing is you can experiment with it. You can train your brain to work at these brainwave states. And you can do that by doing things that you probably already do every day, meditation, Wandering. Wandering is an ancient practice. It's so cool. I don't know if anyone's read about that, but you know, there are tribes that they wander to, um, to get creative ideas, to get solutions, and they just go out and walk without a destination, without knowing the outcome. They just wander. Um, when you are you know, relaxing, honestly, great time to think of creative ideas. Exercise, breath work, music. Music is powerful. Pre-sleep, sleep, wake up. There's a reason why people say, hey, do your affirmations before you go to sleep or right when you wake up or think about your, do your gratefulness list. Like that is why, is because you're in that right state of mind. And I really do encourage you to experiment with these because as a consumer, there are industries that have this information and they are using it. They are using it every day. Music producers, concerts, advertising, like they know this stuff. But it's your brain, so you can take control and you can start also using this information so you can be more productive.
I wanted to give a quick example of a creative brainstorming protocol that I have. So if I'm gonna move into a brainstorming, I don't just say, all right, time to brainstorm. Um, that doesn't work. I need to move into it and make sure that I'm moving myself into that brainwave state that is conducive to that creative thinking and that divergent thinking that will bring me the solutions that I'm looking for. So I'm gonna spend about five minutes and I'm just gonna like flush my brain, flush my body, take care of all of my needs. I'm gonna shut down distractions. I'm gonna set an intention. And then I'm gonna spend some time listening to music or frequencies that put me into this brainwave state that allow that alpha dominant state to arise. I have an app called, it's called Brainwaves. There's lots of other ones out there, but that's my favorite one. And they have a ton of different music, meditations, frequencies that will allow you to do this. And then I'm gonna have my 90 minute brainstorm session. And then I'm gonna have a 20 minute calm down. I'll do automatic tasks, I'll rest, I'll change up my environment. There's a reason for these last two, which you'll see in a minute. So hopefully you're starting to see that you can build these protocols for yourself based around, I know what to work on, I have the tools, I know how long I need, and I know how to get myself in the right state to get all of that done. Okay, anyone heard of your ultradian rhythms? No, okay, this one's interesting. So this is a, this is a great book, by the way, too. Um, the 20 minute break. This is a biological process that is hard-coded into your DNA. It's similar to like your circadian rhythm, but it happens multiple times a day. And this is linked to the release of certain chemicals. It's linked to energy. It's linked to hunger, mood, uh, availability for productivity, right? So it is how your body decides if you're ready to be productive. And we go like this all day long, do, 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 do. And like, there's a reason why, you know, in the afternoon, you get the afternoon slump. It's because you're probably in one of those U's. And then it's interesting because people will say, oh, I can, I can just pick and choose when I want to be productive. I can just put a four-hour block on my calendar, and that's my focus time. I'm going heads down. Mm-mm. Sorry. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. So you need... First of all, you need some sort of arousal to get you into that state. When I talk about brain waves and putting myself into that state, that would work, right? Exercise is great because you're getting that dopamine combined with that brainwave state, so that can be your on-ramp to productivity or on-ramp to peak performance. And then you only are gonna be able to have peak performance for 90 minutes, no more. You can't do four hours of heads downtime, it's not possible for your brain, it's not possible for your body. So then you need to recover. You have to have 20 minutes. If you don't take 20 minutes, you're just, it's, it, it gets worse. You won't ever be able to like get back to that peak performance. So it's really important that you, you take those 20 minute breaks and you have that, you let that healing response happen. They like to say that you do, you should do automatic tasks. So things that you don't have to think about. And this actually flushes your brain. So it's really important that you do this. It's really a reset and it allows you to ramp back up to that next peak. So when we start thinking about, gosh, how can I, how can I make my schedule work with something like my ultradian rhythm? How can I organize my day so I know the best time for me to work and I know when I'm going to be in that peak performance state. And you can just start tracking this, right? Just start on a piece of paper, start 
thinking, okay, what state am I in right now? Am I feeling like I could sit down for 90 minutes and be really productive on one thing? Then you're probably reaching that peak performance state. And so everybody has a different rhythm, right? So align with that rhythm and let it work with, or you should work with your rhythm so then you can reach these high, product, high productivity states and actually get the most out of when your body wants to work. And for some people, this is the reason why, you know, they work late at night or they work super early in the morning and that's when they're most productive. So just start tracking this. And again, hopefully you can start to kind of see how you can build these protocols and how you can use brainwaves, how you can use all of the external tools and combine them with something like this where it's a very holistic view. Okay, a lot of people like to say that time is the most important resource that we have. I do not believe that. Time is, my husband said don't talk about this. <sighs> time isn't real. It's a social construct. That's all I'll say. Um, so, it's also an external thing, right? Like, we don't control time. It's just something to measure something else, right? Energy, though, you own your energy. Energy is way more important than time. You can have a whole lot of time and a little bit of energy, and that sucks. You can't do a whole lot with that. You can have a little bit of time and a lot of energy, and you could probably get quite a bit done. So I like to do this thing called energy auditing or energy mapping, where you just start thinking about the relationship with your energy and where it's going. Anything you do, we're all just energy, right? Like anything you do, like you're exerting energy. And so there are some things where, like right now, I'm giving a lot of energy right now, and I really care about that, right? Like I'm here, I'm excited, I want you all to hear this message and get some takeaways from this. So like this is an equal energy exchange. But there's a lot of things that suck your energy, and it's not equal at all. And everybody says, you should set boundaries, right? Well, how do you set boundaries if you don't know what's taking up your energy? So doing an energy audit is really important to be able to set those boundaries. And it's not just people, it's things, it's tasks, it's places, right? Our energy doesn't care what it is, but it, it just, you know, we just need to pay attention to, hey, I'm in this place and like the energy is off, the vibe is off. Like people say that all the time, but it's a very real thing. So if you're not getting that equal energy exchange from the things that you're doing, you need to reevaluate that. And I'm not saying cut it out of your life. I'm just saying think about how you want to protect your energy in that situation, boundaries, and how you want to enforce those boundaries. Think about the time that you want to give to that thing or that person or that place. So just start thinking about how powerful your energy is, how you can take ownership over your energy, and what it might look like to map all of that out. Okay, hopefully my very abstract <laughs> concepts that um, are out there were, were exciting and helpful for you and you learned something new. And again, it all comes down to this mindset, right, of productivity being something that is going to help you. It's not for somebody else. It's for you, it's for your well-being so you can scale. 
And when we think about this, you can redefine the things that are productive or not productive. Like, have you ever thought about rest as a form of productivity? Because it is. Rest is productivity. So you can redefine what's productive and what's not for you in whatever way it works for you. And again, we're gonna take this holistic approach. So the external tools, awesome. The technology, leveraging AI, making it work for you, helping it manage your life, great, do those things. But also think about your internal power and how you can incorporate these things that are already happening in your body to have that holistic view and build some protocols, decide, hey, if I wanna do this, what do I need to do? What needs to happen in order for me to do that successfully? And the last thing, well, two things. First of all, just be intentional, right? Think about these things and be intentional because it's already happening, right? These things are already happening in your brain and your body, so it's a matter of attention, paying attention to it, and then being intentional about it. And the last thing is detach from the outcomes. We are so attached to how things are gonna turn out. But I promise, the answers come in the weirdest way when you are detached from the outcomes. This is when you like go to sleep and you wake up with a miracle solution, but you didn't think about that specific way that it might come to you. So just be really open to what that outcome could look like, because in the end, you really don't control it anyway. All right, I appreciate all of you so much. Thank you for being here and for your attention today. I would love to connect with you uh, on LinkedIn, the pink here. And then I also offer one-on-one -on -one intro coaching session. And I talk about all of this with my clients. As I said, we do energy mapping. Um, I have clients that are so burnt out all the time. So that is definitely something that is a hot topic, um, as well as more, uh, more executive-related topics as well. So thank you so much, everybody. All I could say is, wow. The way Hana explored the power of leaning into technology, neuroscience, and prioritizations to improve productivity and create effective routines was simply just chef's kiss, right? Like, I can't get over how much I learned in just 30 minutes. And I promise to never flex my ability to multitask ever again. Because Hana said it's not a flex, so it's not a flex. Absolutely. And you know what the best part of this is? We'll actually have Hana on the pod again next week to dive even deeper into everything we just heard. So be sure to subscribe to the pod to get the alert for next week's episode drop. Plus, catch us on Twitter and LinkedIn and come see us live at the B2B Marketing Exchange in Scottsdale this February. There is still plenty of time to snag a ticket. Yes, that's right. Don't forget to grab that ticket. I really hope to see you all in Scottsdale in just a few weeks. Have a great rest of your day, folks. We'll catch you next time.